Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. And Angie is here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. My son needed a major yard cleanup at his new home. We went straight to the Angie website and found a bunch of local, reliable, and affordable pros to handle the job, and one did pronto. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. The app and website are free to use. Hello, America. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. This is our Friday News Roundup, so we will look at the news of the week. And we have lots on it. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about hostages a New York City Jewish teacher who supported Israel, and maybe a little bit about movies from the weekend, the Thanksgiving weekend. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and globalization are destroying the idea of America, the Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, 
and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. We're back. You can find Victor at his website, victorhanson.com. Please come join us. Um, we have lots of new material that is not available unless you subscribe, and it's called the VDH Ultra Articles, and lots at three times a week. So it's pretty productive. And then plus we put everything that he does that is found in American Greatness, his podcasts, and other things. And you can get on our newsletter list for um, free. So get a free subscription or come join us for a VDH Ultra subscription, $5 a month, $50 a year. We would love to have you. Well, Victor, we've got lots in the news today, and I thought maybe we would start with the hostages in Israel since we've, they just got 12 more released today, and it's Tuesday, so maybe there will be more, but Israel has said that it is not going to continue the ceasefire beyond Sunday. And I know that you recently wrote a an article called What Were the Hamas Monsters Thinking? So I thought maybe you could elaborate a little on that as well. Well, they were thinking what they're doing right now, and that was, or put it this way, if they had not taken the 240 hostages on October 7th, does anybody out here listening think they'd still be in existence? They would have been destroyed by now. So they knew what they were doing. They took as many captives as they could. That supposedly, they had bounties on people who took them. They got uh, actual extra financial incentives. So we know what they're doing. They're metering them out. They have a, a large group, 20-something left, and then now it's shrinking, 12, 11, and then it's going to go down and down and down. It's going to be drawn out. And what's the purpose? What are they trying to do? Two things. They're trying to normalize in world opinion, the pause that goes to a ceasefire that goes to the end of the war. And then as soon as the end of the war is over, they come out of their tunnels and say, we beat the Israelis. We've never killed. Nobody's ever killed as many Jews as we have in one day. Not Anwar Sadat, not the Assad. We, we, we did it. That's what they want. And so every day that the war is not waged to destroy Hamas, they are normalized. The well, funny thing is, we're even talking about them as if they're a nation, a state. They're not. They're just a bunch of terrorists. They're a terrorist SS clique. Click, I should say. 
And so that's what they wanted. They wanted to normalize their killing. And now we have Americans negotiating with third parties with Hamas. And if Israel continue, they have to do this because of public opinion. And at some point, and I'm talking to you on a Tuesday and we're going to release this. But on Sunday, the Israelis say they're going to go back to it. Let's hope that in this hiatus, they have done intelligence work and they've used it for good effect and they know exactly where they are in the tunnels and they're going to blow up the tunnels, et cetera, et cetera. But it's definitely harmed the Israeli effort to destroy Hamas. And that was the intent. And now we have the president of the United States who said that his support for Israel was unshakable apologizing to Muslim Americans because he said that the Hamas casualty figures, I should say fatality figures, were bogus, inflated, or he didn't, he doubted their veracity. So why did he apologize? Uh, Let's think a minute. Did Hamas ever say anything that was true? They said that the hospital was destroyed, 500 dead. Was that true? No. They hit a parking lot, maybe 50 to 200, and they, I mean, Islamic Jihad, complete lie. They had BBC, CNN, Reuters, AP saying, Israel's got to, it's got to come through and validate their accusations that there's tunnels under the hospital. There's no evidence that this was home. And now, what are they saying? Oh, yep, sure, of course. Bathrooms, kitchens, tunnels, hostage rooms, all prepared for October 7th. They said, we didn't rape anybody. That's against Islam. We didn't mass murder. We wouldn't behead babies. So all of that's been proven true. So why did Joe Biden apologize? I don't know. Why do you think? Because he's under pressure from one third of his party that's lunatic, little hard left wing, and they keep saying they're not going to vote for him. I I doubt that because they're going to get Trump elected and Trump would deal with them very harshly, believe me. So... When you have fatalities in history and, you, and you're a historian, you want to adjudicate the Catlin, Catlin Forest. So, for example, in World War II, 22,000 Polish officers were executed by the Soviets. And, of course, the Soviets said the Germans did it. So how do you adjudicate that? Well, you look at where they're buried. Because if you can find the forensic evidence, that's what happened. They were proven to be even though the the Soviet officers who shot them used German pistols for that reason, but it was clear that the Soviets did it. So they said 13, 14,000 in an urban place. That's a, a, I'll be crude. I'll be cruel. Where where are the corpses? How do you dispose of 13 or 14,000 people? Are they, is there a crematorium? No. Do you see new cemeteries all of a sudden? So the IDF was looking at some of the figures that they had released, and guess what? Don't you think that as much as people hate the IDF, they would concede that they are killing a lot of Hamas people, i.e. male, young males more than women and children? And yet when you look at the breakdown for sex and age, the name doesn't seem like there's... Of a number of 
Hamas males. In other words, they are counting men, men that are older, older women, children, as if that is the majority. But that never is true when you have a war like that. When we went into Fallujah, we killed thousands of Al-Qaeda. Yes, we hit a lot of people for collaterally. So where are the bodies? Where are the cemeteries? Where are the names? Where are the official death records? There's nothing. It's just Hamas. And people like Bernie Sanders just quote it as if it's the gospel. And I think we're going to learn maybe a year from now, two years, they inflated just like they lied about the hospital. That's what terrorists do. They lie. They have to. They don't believe in anything other than their own survival and cruelty and their yeah. political agendas. Yeah. Well, if we can turn then to another cruelty, I, I know you saw the uh, Jewish teacher in a New York City school who supported Israel, and the students came out into the hallways in protest for, they were pro-Palestinian protests, but they were so violent that the teacher had to be locked in a room by herself till they could get a cop ex escort to get her out of that school and i was wondering that those kids were so young they couldn't possibly have any understanding of what they were doing and so what what are your thoughts on the current state of education and what's going on in this well there were some 530 new york area schools and this hillcrest school in jamaica queens is what almost at the bottom in math and language english how do you know that? Well, besides a statistical fact, look at what people were tweeting after they did this. One person said, you're a cracker ass, you know, white cracker ass. Uh, that means that was a reference to the teacher. And then somebody said, you don't you don't come in here and break break something and B-R-A-K-E. I mean, all of the tweets were illiterate by the students. So the subtext is that about a third of them were African-American, about a third of them were Hispanic, and about a third of them were of Middle Eastern or origins. Okay, so it was a marginalized person school. And what have they been learning in that school? They sure haven't been learning math or English or science, or their test scores would be not at the bottom of all New York schools. But they have been learning something. And what is that something? That something is that they're a victimized class. And they suffer from white rage, white supremacy, and white privilege. And therefore, if a teacher expresses a private opinion on social media, just a posting, they feel they have a right to hunt her down as if she's an animal. Pray. So they go through the hallways, they, they get on social media, they say they're going to riot, they tear out a sink, they destroy things, they assault people. But had the teachers not rescued the fellow female Jewish, I think, teacher, they would have killed her. And the police came in, and then, of course, Eric Adams does what Eric Adams always does. He gives a sanctimonious rant. This will not tolerate. This isn't who we are. But are they going to expel every student that's on that video that's chasing that teacher down? No. And so it's just another reminder that whenever institutions or individuals start to judge people on their superficial appearance, and they arbitrarily in a cultural Marxist dialectic say, you are in 
the left and a victim, and you are in the right and a victimizer, then they get an exemption to be as illiberal as they want. So all of these students, let's face it, they're racist. They're utter racist. They've been taught to be racist. They've been taught to hate people of a different appearance than they are. They've been taught from the Obama era on, the teachers who came out of that era, that there's an intersectionality of anybody who's not white, regardless of how much money you have. You're all a collective with grievances against the so-called white teacher, supposedly. That's how it filters down. And then the, if you said to those students, you're racist, you're anti they'd say, we can't. We've been told we're victims. And so that's, that's what's behind it. And because the second thing behind it is not only do they feel empowered because they're victims, but they feel empowered because there's no consequences. There's no consequences when they're truant. There's no consequences when they're late. There's no consequences when they flunk. This is part of the diversity, equity, inclusion triad. And the second member of that triad is equity. And so you have to equal it out on the, on the back end. And so all of these students are not performing. They would be flunked out or something would happen to them. They would be disciplined. They're not learning. They're learning to hate. And they feel they can do it because this is a white teacher and she is Jewish. And they don't, if you ask any of those students, here's a map, you put on the map Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and Gaza. They couldn't do it. No. Not one. If you said IDF, they couldn't do it. If you said Palestinian Authority versus Hamas, they couldn't do it. Can you explain what Hezbollah, they couldn't do it. But they did learn one thing, that if the person is white, we can hate them and we can get away with it. And that's going to continue and accelerate. Until the culture says that's not acceptable. Right we're, now it says it is. See, we're, we're, we're in our Weimar Republic phase. It's just no rules. The whole culture is breaking down. And now we're starting to harden. We're getting into our National Socialist early phase where the National Socialists looked around said, we can win an election, or we can, even though Hitler never got a majority vote, he normalized the idea that you could hunt down Jews and break things and, and attack them. Well, we've normalized that. Somebody said, Victor, don't be so overdramatic. Okay, the MIT pre uh, president of Massachusetts Institute of Technology said what? There are certain places that you Jewish students shouldn't go. It's not safe for you. Just substitute black for Jewish. So you're a president of a, one of the most prestigious universities in the world, and you say to your African-American students, you know what, I can't hand, I just can't guarantee your safety. So this place and this place, no blacks, because you'll get hurt. And of course, Al Sharpton would show up and say, and he should show up, he'd say, well, why don't you make it safe for them? But put in Jews, it's okay. Yeah. So we have a professor who clubs somebody with a megaphone, knocks him down, kills him. No big deal. We have a, as where I work, we have a professor that says, you Jews, get over there, leave your possessions there, learn how apartheid uh, works in the real world. He's, a, he's on leave. He's suspended. He should have been summarily fired. And so it's going on and it's escalating. So this week they did what? They're... Yesterday, they just took over the Manhattan Bridge. They just stopped traffic on Good Fr on Black Friday shopping day. They harassed shoppers. At some point, people are going to say this. 
You destroy our flag on Vet Veterans Day at these riots. You occupy our bridge and try to shut down traffic where there's ambulances and people have real, real important trips to take. Kids to school, kids home, kids not at school, the parents can't reach them. You do all that. You go into schools and you hunt Jews down. And a lot of you are not U.S. citizens. You're here on student visas or green cards or your temporary residence. And you're attacking our culture. You're chanting from the river to the sea, genocidal. And we're just going to sit here. Yeah, that's fine. Free speech. It's fine. Take out take out the Golden Gate Bridge for a few hours. Just occupy. That's fine with us. Oh, you know, Davis, if you want to go say hunt down Jewish children, if you're an instructor, fine, no problem. If you're at UCLA and you want to put a pinata up at campus and you want to hit it with Netanyahu's face and say, not beat the Israelis, beat the effing Jew. Can you imagine if somebody put a picture of Cesar Chavez and said, beat the effing something, Mexican? They would be and should be expelled immediately. So we're in a really weird situation in this country, and it's, it's going to escalate. And the question is, how long are people in the popular culture going to tolerate it? But how do you stop it, and how do you distinguish between what you should stop and expel students or stop on the bridge and what should be acceptable protests? It's just the law. It's just the law. If they want to protest and they get a permit to walk down Fifth Avenue, fine, if they don't commit any violence. If they go into the White House wall, right in front of the White House, fine. If they get on a statue and they put their fingerprints with blood on them or fake blood, no. If you go to Brentwood and you get into some Jewish American activist yard and you start throwing body bags, so-called body bags on this driveway or fake blood, no. If you chase Jews at Cooper Union, you trap them in the library, no. Just apply the law. Yeah. Because we do apply the law, don't we? I mean, Judge Duncan came to Stanford Law School and his speech was not only disrupted, but hijacked by a dean. And the students yelled to some of them, wish your daughters were right. Okay, they disrupted something that's against the rules. Nothing happened to them. Had they been expelled from the law school, that would be the end of it. Nobody would do it again. That's all it would take. If you took all the students outside hitting the windows when they were told to stop and let Jewish students out of the library, they would, and you expelled them, it would be the end of it. MIT, you, you say to Jewish students, you can't do this, you can't do this in this place, expel you. And what did the president of MIT say? But if we did that, they might lose their student visa. They might have to go home. Well, that's what they want. So if somebody's yelling about the glories of Hamas and radical Islamic culture in Gaza, well, go back there and develop it. But don't do it from the embryo of the West. Yeah. And so it's everybody understands what's going to happen. We don't want a hard corrective, dictatorial corrective. But we do want this, that people, the majority of the people who don't believe in all this are going to finally say, no Hamas. We're just going to we're just going to enforce the law as it's written. If there's a border and you come in illegally and you reside, yeah, that's you're going to have to go home. And believe me, if you deported ten thousand people, 
you wouldn't have anybody come. No, they would stop. And you could, you would have a lot of people leave. And that's all you have to do. Just don't do anything extra legal. Just follow the law. But they don't. And everybody knows it. That's why the, everybody's, it's, justice is not blind. It's, it's biased. And that's why everybody's losing faith in the judicial system. Because they know that under diversity, equity, inclusion, once you make the statement that I have historical grievances against the majority generations ago, therefore I'm exempt from my illegal or racist behavior. If you say, no, you're not, call me any name in the world, call me a child molester, call me anything you want. It doesn't matter because I'm following the law and you're not. So I think everybody's got to stand up according to their station and say, not this pig, no yeah. more. Yeah, I think we're all craving a return to blind justice and a, a path away from this DEI stuff. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and come back and talk about... Um, Trump and the campaigns and those types of things. Stay with us. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. We're back. Um, Victor, so recently you had a tweet, and, and I've been noticing this too, and I'm sure our listeners have, that the left is 
on a campaign to say that Trump is going to have his revenge should he be elected president. And I was wondering your thoughts on that camp, that campaign. That, that. Well, I had tweeted about it earlier, but I was struck that I watched a clip from Joe Scarborough. I looked at all of his articles in The Atlantic. I looked them in The New York Times, Washington Post. There's a common theme. Trump revenge. Trump revenge. Trump rage. He's rage. He's planning. He's doing this. So what is uh, what accounts for that sudden spate of worry? And I think there's three things. Number one, the polls, not the Republican nomination polls, just those, but the national polls and the state polls, which are the most important, by the way, places like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, Ohio, North Carolina, Nevada, they don't show Joe Biden winning. They show a generic Democrat maybe winning, but not Joe Biden. And so they're worried. And then they look at the corruption. Hunter's going to be testifying. They see that when you have checks that come to the president, the current president of the United States from his brother right after he gets say, an effusion of cash, and he writes just a pathetic little loan repayment, that doesn't wash. So the Bidens are circling the wagons, and then they're looking at the cognitive decline of Joe Biden. When he finishes the speech, he can't speak. Essentially, he can't talk. But when he does finish his written speech, he doesn't know where to go. He looks around. Sometimes he shakes an empty hand that doesn't exist. And he has this... I mean, sometimes I, after I got COVID, I have kind of sore throats. But what if I just did... Hey, I, 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 that's what he does. It's very sad. I mean, he's, he doesn't have the lung capacity to articulate words or syntax. And nobody knows what he's saying. So they, they, they put all that together and they think Trump could win. And then the next thought they come, phase two, they said, but we, we solved that problem. We got Fannie Willis with the phone call. We've got Alvin Bragg with the, you know, the campaign finance. We've got Latita James with the real estate overestimation. We've got old Jack Smith with gag orders. He's going to apply the law that he will never apply to Joe Biden about taking out uh, as vice president confidential matter. But he's going to really sink Trump. But they don't seem to be putting him in jail. And so they're anxious. That might not work. He might be president. And then we get to the real essence. Oh, my God. Donald Trump might do to us what we surely would do to them if we were in his place. And we know what we're capable of. If he's capable of half of what we are, we're in big trouble. We took the last three FBI directors, maybe Ray too, but Mueller, McCabe, call me all lied under oath. All lied. And then we took Brennan and Clapper, all light under effort. We created a whole genre of retired generals who call the commander-in-chief contrary, the uniform military justice, Mussolini, Hitler, liar. Okay. And then we took Anonymous and we gave him a platform, the New York Times, and basically he said that we're trying to obstruct the government from the inside. And then we took the FBI and we interfered in the 2016 and 2020 election. 2016, we were paying hit Twitter and we were working with Hillary and we were paying Christopher Steele to compile those lies and spread them. 
2020, we got the FBI, CIA's intelligence authorities to swear what? That the laptop, which was certainly authentic, was Russian disinformation right before a debate. And the FBI did its part and kept the laptop under wraps and nobody could look at it, even though that we know now they knew it was authentic and the CIA's extra legal um, former uh, intelligence people, you know, national intelligence, they all lie. And we know what Lois Lerner did. We know what the IRS people did. The whistleblowers have told us that, that when they had the goods on the Bidens, they were not allowed to further that prosecution. So we know what Meredith Garland's doing. He goes after personal enemies at the school board meetings, Catholic masses, anything other than Islamic terrorists. So they've weaponized every aspect of the federal bureaucracy, and they are afraid that Trump might do it because the last time they really got Trump, he brought in a bunch of crazy people, Omaroso, the Mooch, people like that that were easily caricatured. And they said, well, we took out Mike Flynn. We, we did everything. We had Rosa Brooks writing in foreign policy that you either had to impeach him, declare him insane under the 25th Amendment, or get a military coup. They did everything. And Trump never reacted. And they boxed him up. They impeached him twice. They impeached him as a private citizen. They impeached him without a formal inquiry. They impeached him without a special prosecutor. They impeached him over a phone call on the idea that Joe Biden's family was not corrupt. How dare you say they were corrupt? So the point is, again, to finish, they did everything they could to destroy his first administration. And it didn't work. And then they tried to destroy him financially, culturally, psychologically, politically as a private citizen. And it doesn't seem quite that it's working because he's ahead of them in the polls. And now they are writing and speaking that Donald Trump might rage and he might take revenge against them. Now, I'll just finish this by saying, as I said earlier, they're afraid that he might do what they did extra legally use the government to go after his enemies. I don't think he's going to do that. He never did before. But what they call extra legal is radical legal change. So this time Donald Trump will come in if he were to be elected. I think if Nikki Haley or, or Ron DeSantis would do the same thing, they're going to have a plan and it's going to shut the border and start deporting people. And if people break the law from the Middle East here on visas, they're going to deport them. And they're probably not going to let anybody come in here from Iran. Somebody said, oh, Victor, the people don't come in here from Iran. The Iranian ambassador to the UN, the former ambassador to the UN, is at an American university. So is one of their top diplomats. They do come in. And he's going to do stuff like that. He's going to open leases to lower the price of fossil fuel. He's going to clamp down on crime. He's going to have to because his constituency wouldn't have it any other way. That's what they're worried about, that he'll do something with proper channels and they, he won't do what they did. But they're going to say that if they were in his position, as I said earlier, they would do it. Everybody should remember the whole ideology of the left. It's simply it's very simple throughout history. We are so morally superior to you because we believe in a quality of result. Everybody should be equal. And that inequality is always more important than liberty and freedom. 
And because we're morally superior and because our agenda is morally superior, we are entitled, indeed, we are obligated to use any means necessary. Well, you mentioned that they censored Hunter's laptop through social media and called it uh, misinformation. In California, there are, and we have a very left left state, um, they are worried about all of this misinformation that students are getting, and their use of social media is, of course, on the rise. And so in California, the State Assembly and um, the Senate have passed a bill that all schools must have, quote, media literacy training. And Governor Newsom sign that into law on October 13th. And I was wondering your thoughts on Cal- the direction of California schools, think, given this think media literacy. So if you look at eighth grade or high school test scores, California used to be in the top 10. It's in the bottom 10 in the 40s of comparative test scores of public school systems. So you would think that California is in a crisis, Right that its public schools are failing. So you would think they were going to have grammar and syntax and mathematics and history. No, they want to get social media and tell people that basically you can censor the media because it's disinformation and misinformation. And what would be the offensive expression that you would censor? Fill in the blanks. Anything that's DEI or trans or gay, anything, You can't talk about that. It's hate speech. It's racist. It's xenophobic. It's tribal. uh, You know, it's protectionist. It's restrictionist. Whatever it is. And that's what they're doing. And they don't, they forget nothing and learn nothing. So we had the Stanford, where I work, the Stanford Internet Observatory was just disclosed that they were doing that. We had a Stanford vocabulary list that on campus you were supposed to use protect um, the proper word can't use migrant, you can't use patriot, you can't use America. That's what they're talking about. That's how this, this filters down in the here and now. Sounds great in the abstract, and by intent it sounds great. But in the here and now, it's suppression of free, of free conservative traditional values. Yeah. And that's what they want. And yeah. Stanford has been right, along with Silicon Valley, the two, the twin pillars of that. And they did, along with San Francisco politics. You put those three together in the 2020 election, Stanford Internet Observatory, Mark Zuckerberg infusing money, uh, Twitter censoring speech, working with the FBI as contractors. That's the triad. And um, there's no American American, um, Civil Liberties Union. When I was growing up, they were kind of an oddball group. They defended Nazis, they defended commies, they defended anybody, I think wrongly so sometimes, who wanted to be free, spe- free speech advocates. Now, they're, they're on the side of censorship. Yeah. Um, well, since we're on um, current domestic um, campaigns, uh, the recent campaign, obviously, for the GOP, Nikki Haley has received the endorsement of Charles Koch. He's one of the bigger um, campaign donors and groups in the cons- GOP. And Christie has vowed that he is going to continue his doomed campaign to the end, and he's not stopping. And I was wondering what you thought about either of those things on the GOP campaigns. Well, we're down to five, aren't we? Did we have 11? I I think 
I think Christie's telling everybody, why should I drop out there? We have fewer candidates around December 1st than we ever have. So I'm sticking in. He's there for one reason. He's a human torpedo. So far, he hasn't been effective. He might be might do better than in New Hampshire, but his sole purpose, according to him, not what I say, is to dog Donald Trump. He's not been dogging him very well. And his point, he thinks, is to take Donald Trump out, and then either Haley or DeSantis will reward him with what, attorney general or something like that? That's why he's in. Ramaswamy is in because he's got a lot of money. So he's bulletproof. I don't want to use that term bulletproof, but he can't be forced out because the donors turn on him, right? Yeah. He can wage a, a campaign, pretty low-level campaign, but he then self-finance it. So he'll stay in because he's a media obsessive. He's addicted to the media. He loves giving interviews. He's very glib. He can out-debate most people. And he loves that attention. Where would he get that as a Silicon Valley magnet or an entrepreneur in China or whatever he's done? So he's going to stay in. So you're really down just to three, Haley, DeSantis, and Trump. And Trump is way ahead, but people tend to forget that the people who win Iowa and New Hampshire don't always win. Look at Joe Biden. Look at Bill Clinton. So it's very early in the race, and there's so many volatile there's so many volatile uh, issues and considerations that we, we don't know anything about the legal morass that Donald Trump is in. We have no idea how DeSantis will deal with Newsom on this debate coming up. I think he'll, deal, he'll do very well. That's my own biased opinion. But that'll be something. We don't know how they're going to get rid of Joe Biden yet. They cannot get rid of Joe Biden without dealing with Kamala Harris. If they deal with Kamala Harris, they're going to be called racist, sexist. So do you let Joe Biden win the nomination? Because it's pretty late to put new names on the ballot. And then you just, what, ask him to abdicate and you pick Newsom? What does Kamala Harris say then? Do you have an open primary right now and get him to quit immediately and he's a lame duck? And there goes your legislative agenda. They're in a really bad place. Yeah. So we don't know any of that, what's going to happen. So I think it's still, it's still a volatile, everything's up for grabs. Maybe that's why Christie's staying that's in. That's why he's in there. He, he strikes me that way. <laughs> he's think, Christie's thinking Donald Trump's going to be 78. Joe Biden is going to be 82. Joe Biden is not going to be able to handle this. Donald Trump, Christie's saying, I'm a little heavy. Donald Trump's a little heavy. I couldn't do what Donald Trump's doing at 78. Therefore, Donald Trump can't do what he's doing at 78. That's how he thinks. Yeah. So he's just out there to be viable. And Ron DeSantis has the best record as an administrator, a governor, and getting things done and taking on the left. But the donor class is feels that he's too conservative, the donor class. And they like Haley because she's charismatic. And they kind of like her rhino elements within her. I think on immigration, she'll be a Jeb Bush. Yeah. And so they, they kind of like that. And um, the weird thing about it is, if you look at her expenditures, you would think that they were would be directed, her campaign attack, 
her rhetoric, her speeches, at two people, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. They're not. They're almost exclusively aimed at, and the money shows it, at Ron DeSantis. So she's trying to be number two. And you can think, you can see her logic that Trump may hate me now. I'll come. If I get really close to Trump, I win a couple of primaries. And everybody says it's impossible because he holds a grudge. And the weird thing about Donald Trump, he does not hold a grudge. That's what's weird about him. He can be vindictive in speech, but he doesn't really punish people. He didn't punish Anthony Fauci. He didn't punish James Comey to the very end. So my point is that she's going to go through the primaries and she thinks pick up a couple. And then if Donald Trump is way ahead and if Donald Trump evades um, criminal liability in some fashion, then she's going to be vice president. She thinks moderate woman, abortion issue. I could be there and he's 78. Who knows what's going to happen? Look at Joe Biden. So Trump could... You know, that 79 is first year. I, I would be in a great. Don't underestimate that. People have said to me, that's impossible. She doesn't like Trump. Trump doesn't know nothing's impossible. Didn't Ronald Trump Reagan. Appoint, Ronald, didn't, oh, go ahead. Yes, he did appoint her. You're an ambassador. Yeah, you're an ambassador. Okay, sorry. And Ronald Reagan hated George H.W. Bush. George H.W. Bush ran and said that the Reagan economic doctrine was voodoo economics. And Reagan just bit his lip and appointed George H.W. Bush. Yeah. And George H.W. Bush should have continued the Reagan agenda and intensified it. But instead he said, you know, we're going to be a kinder, gentler nation. Gentler, E-R, kinder, E-R, comparative case of the adjective, meaning what? That the man who allowed him to be president of the United States by picking him as vice president? was not kind enough and was not gentle enough. And yet they got along. Yeah. They had 12 years. Yeah. Well, just since we're on these campaigns, and as, as far as the Democratic campaign, I heard something very interesting on one of our conservative radio talk shows, and they were talking about the problem for Joe Biden. If you don't have Biden, you're going to have to have Harris, and who could actually end up? Newsom obviously is positioning himself. And this is the interesting thing I heard, that they said, um, according to polls, that's the impression I got, that Michelle Obama, if she stepped in at the last minute, some sort of last minute backroom deal, that she could in fact win the election. Do you believe that? I believe that she would um, energize the Democratic Party for two reasons. Yeah. One, it would solve their black woman problem. You can ju- dump Kamala Harris but not if you're a white male. You can only dump Kamala Harris if you're a twofer, two arguments for diversity, and she has them both. So that that nullifies poor Kamala. The second is she is a bridge between the radical Antifa BLM squad pro-Hamas wing, which is growing, and the doctrinaire left, the progressive establishment. And somebody said, well, what do you mean? I'm talking about she's worth $200 million. She has four estates. She's part of the establishment, the grifting Democratic establishment. That's what they all do. That's what Hillary did. That's what Bill did. That's what Barack did. That's what she did. And 
she's going to fuse those two elements. Yeah. So the third consideration, will she do it? And if she did it, would she win? I don't think she wants to do it because she's got so much money and she's an icon and she loves going to Germany at $12,000 a minute and lecturing on diversity, equity, and oh, as I said before, no equity. Can't, how can you talk about equity when you're getting $12,000 a minute? Through Germany, it's in the economic <laughs> doldrums. So, yeah, she's she probably won't want to do it. Would she win? No, I don't think she'd win a general election. Everybody said, well, everybody loves her. Everybody loves her in the Democratic leftist side. But everybody remembers what Obama did to this country as well. And they remember her. Never been proud of my country. Downright mean company. Uh, always raise the bar, that, that whole litany of things that she talks about. And so what she would do to Republicans is what Trump does to Democrats. When they saw her, they would say, you know what, I wasn't going to vote. I'm voting. Just like Democrats say, you know what, I'm tired, Biden, Trump. Trump? I'll vote against that SOB. And that's what Michelle does. She's a polarizing figure. Yeah. Well, Victor, let's take a break and then we'll come back to talk a little bit about the movies and what else is on my list here. Oh, Hunter, the Hunter rabbit hole. Stay with us and we'll be right back. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back. You can find Victor at, on his social media. He's at X, uh, at VD Hansen is his handle. And he has a page, Hansen's Morning Cup, on Facebook. And then, of course, there is the, un, it's unaffiliated with us. It's an independent Victor Davis Hansen fan club on Facebook. And it's a bunch of people that work together to bring um, old and new things um onto their feed and so it's a great um page to follow if you if you want to look at some of the victor's old stuff as well as new so victor recently we of course thanksgiving weekend is a big weekend for everybody to go watch a movie and just to have some unwind time after their thanksgiving dinner and the statistics are out and i know you've wanted to go see Napoleon, and there's two things I want to ask you about here. First off, Napoleon cost about 200 million to make, and even though it was really 
broadly advertised it only made about 20 million and i know maybe wait 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 this wait, weekend wait, it only wait. made 20 million this weekend yes. but go ahead and a couple of things i haven't seen it so i'm going to go to the salma california theater but i have to go on a trip for 6 days my last trip of the year of next year i hope too and uh, until may but when I come back, I'm going to go to the local theater and see it. But I've read a lot of reviews. Andrew Roberts didn't like it, I think. Oh, really? Andrew Roberts, Napoleon the Great, the title in Europe, and Napoleon. I reviewed that for the TLS. A very good book. Although he has a very positive, Andrew has a very positive view of Napoleon as sort of a, I don't know what, you know, kind of a classically liberal uh, reformer. Okay. But... When you say 20 million, they said that about a movie that was flawed. You remember Kingdom of Heaven? Yeah. Ridley did that. Ridley Scott, that 200, 2005. It was kind of disappointing. Yeah. And he claimed at the time that they cut 45 minutes or 50 minutes. I can't remember. And that was really... And if you see that director's cut, I've seen it one time. It's about three hours. It's really good. And since then, it's become a classic. And it's it's made money. And some of the... Movies that you don't, you know, like Robin Hood, I didn't think was a great movie. I but the more I saw, <laughs> I did. Well, <laughs> I saw it. But my point is that I saw it a couple of times, and then I liked it. And what I'm getting is all of his movies have legs. Thelma and Louise, it just it went out. You know, the Alien movies, Black Hawk Down. Mm. I didn't like Exodus, but I think Exodus made move, money. So you can't judge. At the very beginning, people think they have such high expectations. And he's a very gifted director. Gladiator, I mean, that was a brilliant movie. So I have a feeling that Napoleon, if it's a Ridley Scott good production, that it will just keep earning money and there will be longer versions of it, etc. Yeah. I, uh, my favorite is that Russian-English collaboration. I think it was with Rod Steiger. It was a brilliant movie. on water. It was called Waterloo. It was just something. And then Tony Scott. I mean, Tony Scott did two great movies, True Romance. Tarantino wrote that. And then Man on Fire. That's another movie that everybody thought was too violent. They thought it was too choppy. They didn't like the way the f the filming of it was abrupt. And now it's a classic, cult classic. Yeah. Well, in defense of what you just said, actually the international income from that movie was 80 million with with the international income so that bumped it up to 80 million so i suppose they might be doing well but it will make money my second movie question is on disney and bob Iger recently told his investors that he plans to quote quiet the noise around cultural issues because it's bad <laughs> for business. And I was reading the article on and it said, oh, he made this disclosure be so that they can't sue him, that he's put it out there that, um, you know, that this stuff has been bad for business. So if you're investing, then you're already investing, knowing what's going on. But it's so ironic because his predecessor <laughs> was putting his foot in the water. And when Iger was on the sidelines after he retired, he was criticizing they should be more proactive on trans issues and DEI. So they brought him back and he just destroyed the company. Nobody wants to, nobody, I don't know how you take, it's like Bud Light. You take these 
million dollar, billion dollar brands, Target, and you destroy them because you try to force down the throat of the American people things that they don't want to have forced down. And they want, they want a, um, I use that term sometimes, monastery of the mind. They want a place in their lives, their mind. It's just a sanctuary, monastery. They don't want anything intruding to it. They want to go to Target and worried whether these shoes fit their kid. They don't want to see underwear with a little trap door on it and say that it's female underwear. They want to, they just like to have a beer with somebody. They don't want to be told that this beer has got this man dressed up as a woman who's giggling and trying to, I don't know what. And they don't want an advertising, by her own words, the advertiser who was the architect of that commercial said that they're going to get rid of their fatty image. Well, they don't want that. And so they don't want, they want to see snow updated. They don't want to see whether the dwarf was a small person or not. They don't want to know what pronouns was correct. They don't want to know if 10 characters in are, you know, 33% this, 21% that demographic. They just want talent. And it's, that, that's what's so strange. I don't know why they keep doing it because if they just let the market adjudicate or just let merit work, everything works out. As I said before, you know, my, I think my, the most brilliant actor working today is Denzel Washington. Even a bad series, kind of the equalizer, he makes that come alive. Even in his older age, he's my age. And there are certain things he did were just brilliant. But he didn't need any, you know, he's a, we have to have an African-American. No, he didn't need it. Sidney Poitier didn't need it. They didn't need it at all. James Earl Jones didn't need it. No. So why, why do we do this? I don't understand. Just have an equality of opportunity and let the market, let people decide what they want to do. Yeah. And they can't do that. They just can't do it. And they're ruining things. If they don't stop the DEI woke, it's going to destroy the country because it's destroying meritocracy. Yeah. You can see that with college admissions. You can see it with college curricula you can see it with college grading you can see the caliber of people are starting to graduate from our elite schools well just to i feel like i should help out bob Iger here because he in his disclosure to his investors he did lose over a billion dollars on his last four movies so just so we know that that's out there and if you're investing in disney you know what you're doing um okay victor um, the last thing is our hunter rabbit hole and back to hunter again this is a very um interesting thing he has said he will testify to James Comer's Oversight Committee, but he does not want to do it in a closed-door interview. He wants it to be in the public, um, you know, how they do the public um, inter- the public um, trial process. So. He wants a show trial, so yeah. he wants to put the questioners on trial. And he thinks he can do it because he thinks... He's a narcissist. Look at those laptop pictures. Take anybody, as a general rule in human life and culture, anytime anybody takes a selfie of themselves for other, unless you're, I don't know, telecommunicating with a doctor or something, (laughs) you want to show a pink eye or, in my case, a yellow tongue from long COVID. But anybody takes a selfie of yourself is suspect. Anybody's convicted of being a narcissist when you take your clothes off and do it. So 
he, he's not normal and he thinks he's glib. He thinks he's still young. He thinks he's handsome. He thinks he's a mover and shaker. And he thinks he's going to go in there and turn the tables on them and have a circus and defend the wonderful Biden family, kind of like Joe Biden did before he became demented. I'm just Joe Biden from Scranton. You know, we're just my dad. Oh, my dad used to tell me and all that stuff, hokey stuff. <laughs> and, and I think the committee is going to say, you know what? We issued you a subpoena and we'll hold you in contempt and you're going to follow our rules. I don't think anybody who was asked to go to the January 6th said to Lynn Cheney and the people around that circus, they said, if you want me in public, I only go in private. You want me in private? I'll only go in public. Uh, you don't get to choose. Yeah. And so um, we'll see. I hope so, they let him do it so we can have a circus because his whole life is a circus anyway. So he's, well, I mean, <laughs> I've had this theory about him a long time, and that is that when you read, and I've read almost all of those emails that have been published in the laptop, and it's very clear that he has a deep-seated resentment against his grifter uncles and his dad. Yeah. And he says to his niece and others, not just no Asian as far as, can you imagine a niece or cousin trying to procure women for him and then they're both in racist fashion saying no Asian prostitutes please mm. that's the kind of stuff that's on it but yeah. my point is that Mr. 10% at least I don't take half what dad does all of that resentment has been played out when you get the impression that somebody's told Hunter, you cooked this grifting up. We just went along with it. You're going to take the fall. Because when he was facing an indictment from the DOJ before Merrick Garland fixed it with this weird special counsel, his lawyers were going to call his own dad. Remember that? <laughs> yes. Hey, dad, you're, you think I didn't, I might go to jail? I don't think so. I made you rich. So you might have to testify. And then You'd think the last thing he would want to do to injure his father or his grifting family was to paint with his mouth or put a brush in his mouth, given his snorting and drug use and <laughs> publicity and grifting. And sure enough, he did these paint-by-numbers watercolors. He did it with his mouth. He publicized it. They got grifting lobbyists to buy them. And some of these guys actually got appointments to see Joe Biden. Now, why did he do that? <laughs> Victor, you might know the mind of a Hamas monster, but you do not know the mind of a crackhead. <laughs> well, I'm, I think what I'm saying is I know that he's a crackhead. But you would think that Hunter, of all people, would say, nobody brings in any coke into the White House. I want every family member to empty their packs. No. I do not want anybody in this family, given the scrutiny we're under, to paint with your mouth and try to sell subpar art for access to dad. I don't want anybody anywhere taking pictures of the garage where all the secret papers were. None of that. Yeah. So he, he's reckless. He's yeah. capable of doing anything, anytime, anywhere with anyone. There's a big elephant. This is a guy that lost oh. his laptop twice. Yeah. He lost his gun. The whole family's that way. The weird thing is nobody's really discussed that. The daughter lost her diary. 
And that came out about the showers when she was too old with her father. Hunter's wife, or he tells his wife his gun ended up in a bin near a school, right? Illegally registered, we learn. And his laptop was never claimed. How can you have all of that information and never claim it? <laughs> and then the family. So in a couple of memoirs, we learn that Joe Biden, if it's true, when he was in his Delaware state, he used to swim with his little Speedo off. And female Secret Service detail did not want to be around him. They didn't want to see Joe come out and give his million-dollar smile buck naked. Now, he was vice president. Yeah. And so Hunter Biden is taking pictures of full frontal nudity. And on the Internet, I mean, it, it could be easily accessed. And then Frank Biden, he takes pictures of himself naked and it turns up on a gay porn site. Right. <laughs> yes. So once, maybe twice. OK, but three of them, <laughs> three of them, it's like. One laptop, okay, a, a lost diary, maybe, but a gun, too. So something is wrong with that dysfunctional family. It really is. Some strange pathology. It's, well, it's way beyond uh, Neil Bush or Billy Carter or Roger Clinton. Yeah, it sure is. Or Donald Nixon, who was kind of a nice guy. In terms of this selling influence, there's a big elephant in the room that I've been dying to ask you, and that is... What's the difference between Hunter Biden, and I apologize to your listeners because they may get mad at me for this, but the difference between Hunter Biden's selling influence and what Jared Kushner's relationship to the Saudis is? Ah. So, Jared Kushner, when he was assigned as a Middle East Envoy, I guess that's the word, Yeah. for his father-in-law, in a way that Bobby Kennedy worked for JFK, let's say, he got to know the royal family of Saudi Arabia and people in the Gulf. And those ties he nurtured. And maybe he nurtured them for out of office. Maybe he did something like Barack Obama bringing in Netflix discussions while he still got capital as president. And then the moment he gets out of the president, suddenly he gets 50 million bucks, right? Yeah. So he was using the office uh, or the connections for his post-office career, at which time he wouldn't be that important as he was when his father-in-law was president. But he might be important because his father-in-law might be president again. So that's what they all do. How did Hillary Clinton, who was flat broke, bankrupt in 2000, end up being worth a couple hundred million dollars? How did Bill Clinton do it? How did Barack Obama, as I said, do it? How did any of them do it? They used their power as either a vice president and you're coming back as president, or they cut deals or they implied deals while they were in office. Okay. Is there any evidence that Jared Kushner said, I tell you what, if you give me control of a billion dollar hedge fund or investment fund that I'll run, then I will take it to my dad and I will get you in on the Abrams. No, there's no evidence that Barack Obama did anything wrong. 
There's no evidence that Hillary Clinton did anything wrong. She she had the uranium concessions of North America that she she greenlighted as Secretary of State to the Russians of all people, the people she said were dangerous, while her son, her husband was getting five hundred thousand dollars from the mayor of Moscow. Come on, and they were giving money. All these oligarchs were giving money to that corrupt Clinton Foundation. So those things are different from what those Hunter's things. Done are shady, and I, I should say they're gray areas, because that's what Washington is. That's a, it's just selling influence, and it's usually legal. Okay, but what Hunter did is different. He specified, from what we can tell, while his father was vice president, he was going around the world and selling access, his words, not mine, I'm sitting here next to somebody and you have not paid up. And Joe Biden lied about it. On 11 occasions, he said he had no knowledge of Hunter's. But Hunter was put on the Burisma while his father. So if Jared Kushner was put on a Saudi Aramco, let's just take Aramco, the old Aramco. So they put Jared Kushner on there and they pay him $80,000 $80,000 a month, let's say. And then you start seeing payments to uh, Donald Trump's nephew, Donald Trump's brother. Donald. Yes, he hasn't done that. No. And I'm not trying to excuse any of it. I'm just saying that Hunter and the Bidens are a special case. It's quid pro quo. Give You get influence. I get money. China. And when the money comes from China, it ends up in the Biden and there's tax consequences. That's the big thing that nobody talks about. There's money that came to the Biden family, 25, 30 million that I don't think was fully taxed. And you say, well, that's just a No, that's how they got Al Capone. If you don't pay taxes on some of us pay 55 percent of our income in taxes. We don't like the idea that Joe Biden goes around the country and says pay the rich have to pay their fair share, meaning the middle class. But I don't. So I I have three homes because Hunter got all these checks for me and my brother wrote on the bottom loan repayment. That's the oldest stupid trick in the book. It's not even a trick. Well, and I, <laughs> if you don't James have Comer did. What did he say the other day? We're searching for the loan documents. We're searching for the papers. We're searching for the interest charge. They yeah. can't find anything. Yeah. The IRS goes after people like that. Yeah. I've known people that did stuff like that and transferred money. And the first thing the IRS says, if you, get, if you loan somebody $1 million and they didn't report it as income, then did you get it back? And if you didn't get it back, did you? then it's a gift. And did you pay 30% or whatever it is, gift tax? Or if you just let them use the money, did you pay interest? Did they pay interest? If they didn't pay interest, it's a gift. Yeah. So they tax everything. Yeah, so they have certain points where they've identified that Hunter has crossed the line. And one of them is that stream of money coming from the Chinese where Hunter ended up with 400000 and his father, 40000 the 10% man. And the call that, Humph- um, that they have that Hunter said, hey, my dad's right here, so if you don't pay me, I'm going. And then there was a one more, I think. I can tell you what it is. What? So I'll just tell you what it is by putting your example of Jared Kushner. 
So let's go back to the idea that Jared Kushner is on Aramco and he's been appointed there to get an inflated salary and he knows nothing about oil. Yeah, and this is a hypothetical. Yeah, this is hypothetical. He knows a lot about finance. Yeah. He's not Hunter Biden. No, he's That's why he made his career, but he doesn't know anything about oil. But let's say you put him on the oil company, right? And let's say there's some kind of puritanical Saudi prosecutor who's believes in Sharia. I don't know what, but he's mad about the corruption. He thinks. So he goes to the Saudi royal family and says, this guy is corrupt and I want to find the people who are paying this much. And then Donald Trump comes over and he says, I'm looking at my watch. If you don't fire that, if you don't fire that prosecutor by the time I'm going, all those Saudi military deals, all that military aid, nothing. I want him fired. And then you, they do. And then a few years later, Donald Trump's at the Council of Foreign Relations. He says, son of a bitch. They fired him. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. And they didn't do that with Kushner. Yeah. And they didn't do that with Obama. And they didn't do that maybe with Clinton, but he got away with it. But these people insulted our intelligence. They were so blatant. Same thing about the file. I mean... Gosh, vice president doesn't have the prerogatives of a president to take out classified material and Mar-a-Lago for all of the little FBI set up photographs. Of, <laughs> remember, they took pictures of all these things as if Trump had just thrown them all over the floor. But that garage, <laughs> that Corvette, and you could just see all these boxes everywhere. It was just a joke. Yeah. Jack Smith, where are you? Why don't you get the other prosecutor to indict him? Okay. Well, Victor, the very last thing I wanted to ask you, because I, I know I heard while you were talking to Jack, you guys were talking about the statistics that the Biden administration comes out with from the last month or two, where they can say, wow, inflation's gone down. Wow, things are getting better. Um, and that it's bogus, because if you looked at uh, 2020 to now, you would see that there's been a huge increase in inflation and a huge loss in the status of the standard of living for most people. And you said about that, nobody is that stupid, but apparently the Democrats think that people, in fact, are that stupid and that they are going to be able to get away with saying, oh, our administration has done these great things in immigration. I just happened to look the other day. The support for Bidenomics is about 33% of the country. Yeah. And the whole thing is a joke because we were coming out of COVID and there had been massive layoffs and business had been shut down. And the vaccinations, which initially, as we all knew, for maybe six weeks worked. They all worked for 96 percent. They didn't tell us after six or seven weeks it starts to wane radically. But nevertheless, they worked. And I won't get into Pfizer, but in October, right before the election, Pfizer had announced they were going to tell us whether they worked and release the data. And then guess what? They decided to wait to after the election because they didn't want to credit Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed and give him a bump in key states. Okay. So it worked. People got inoculated. Joe Biden said, when I got here, nobody had been inoculated. No, Joe, 19... 20 million Americans had been inoculated in 2020 in the last few months. So he comes in, he starts to inoculate everybody, 
And guess what? The economy starts to restore. People come out of the woodwork. There's enormous demand. And he didn't create jobs. Just the jobs organically reappeared that had been artificially suppressed. But he took credit for that. And he took credit for GDP because it was a rebounding economy. Anybody, an empty suit, which he was, would get credit for that. But then he did a very stupid thing. He borrowed $4 trillion of COVID relief when it was the wrong. T- people didn't need it anymore. And more importantly, there was a huge pent-up demand to go out to eat, to go to the movies, to go on a cruise, to do everything. And he created the worst inflation in 40 years, not since the Carter, first year of Reagan, Carter era. Okay, that's what he did. And remember, some of the inflation indices do not count food and gas and rent. But if you look at what really counts in a person's life, it's food, it's gas, it's your power bill, it's your health care cost, and it's your rent or mortgage payment. And you look at that. And I thought it was 25%, but I saw some data the other day on Fox Business where it's 35 to 40% higher than he, when he entered office on that basket of prices. And I'm helping my daughter buy a house, and I don't particularly like what I'm paying for interest. I just took out the loan versus 1.9. And that mortgage payment I figured out is $1,600 more a month now than it would have been had I bought it before Joe Biden was elected. Mm -hmm. So it's just a joke. And that's why everybody knows it. He says, and what he does is, (laughs) what he does is he looks at month to month. And if it got any higher, people would not be, it's costing people about $700 more a month to live for their power bill, their food bill, their gas bill. But if gas goes down a little bit from last month, oh, I've whipped inflation. No, you haven't, you idiot. You haven't. Everybody knows it. They're not stupid. You say that, and that's what's bothering me, is the they're not stupid. Apparently, the Democrats are banking on the fact that they are that stupid. That well, they can... his rating now is 38% in one poll I saw today. And the polls that were 42 are giving him an average of 40. They'll be down in the mid-30s. So nobody's, nobody's buying it. Nobody's that, buying it. doesn't mean that... This, if you look at the latest polls and the analyses from left and right, they're very strange. They show that Donald Trump will beat Joe Biden. No question about it. They show that a generic Democrat will beat Donald Trump. Or come very close. But nobody knows who that is. If you turn it on the other side, it shows you that a generic Republican, i.e. i.e. DeSantis or Haley, could beat a generic Democrat and beat Biden, but not Trump. So what am I saying? Trump can beat Biden, but according to the polls, Trump can't beat another Democrat. But I don't know how they're going to get another Democrat. They're going to have to because I don't think Biden's going to be viable. And the fallout from that might be catastrophic for their cause. Yeah. But they're not fooling anybody. Yeah. Nobody likes this administration. Nobody likes the border. Nobody likes the crime. Nobody likes the foreign policy. Nobody likes the lying. And I, I feel sorry for that John Kirby, that spokesperson. They, yeah. kind of, they kind of said to John, John 
Pierre, Corinne Jean-Pierre, you're not going to. You know what? Last time you even got close to Gaza, you said there was no anti-Semitism and you said Islamophobia. So we're just going to shut the F up on Gaza and John Kirby's going to take over. Mm. And he's doing it. And his biggest problem is he wants to solidify the old establishment Democratic vote and mollify the new Democratic vote. So what he does, he's schizophrenic. He tells everybody that Joe Biden has a rock-solid support of Israel's right to defend itself and kill, destroy Hamas. However, we should have a permanent ceasefire where we get all the hostages back. And we have to be careful uh, about civilian casualties. And I'm sorry that I took, that I suggested that Hamas's uh, casualty figures were exaggerated. I'm so sorry. I, I'll, I'll try to do better next time. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. No, you were you stumbled on the truth the first time, Joe. You can't trust anything Hamas said. Does anybody believe what Hitler said? No, nobody believed what Hitler said. People came by and they Neville Chamberlain came back and said, waved a piece of paper, peace for our time. And what did Hitler say about Chamberlain? <laughs> I see that guy again. I want to jump on him in that stupid umbrella. He was angry. He hated him. He lied. He knew he was going to lie. He lied about everything the German Nazi Party did. Yes, but Stalin lied about everything. The Democratic Party has the universities and the mainstream media and social media on their side. And I think that through all of those avenues, they're still able to perpetuate the Hamas lie. Well, not just Hamas, but the um, immigration statistics, economic statistics, et cetera, all of those things that we look at and we listen to and go, ah, that's just a big lie and we know it. <laughs> but I think that out there in the average American mind, they are able to turn it, or at least they think they're able to turn it. They have them. one thing going for them. And you're right. They control the institutions. And everybody says, well, you can go to Fox News or you can go to conservative websites. Yes, Epic Time, all that. That's true. But what they really do with the dominance of foundations and K through 12, schools of education, academia, professional sports, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, Hollywood, sitcoms, social media, Silicon Valley, traditional media, what they do with all the, the permanent state, the bureaucracy, most state employees and federalists are all left-wing. Yeah. Okay. So they create a culture that if you oppose it, then you're a loser or you're a racist or you're this, just a vague culture. And then everybody wants to be liked. So when you're going to a cocktail party with your friends, if they still exist, or you're going to go talk to a class, or you're going to go in a room of professors, or you're going to be a bunch, you're a young person and you go out at a bar with a bunch of people. And so you, if you question that leftist progressive project, it's socially unacceptable, even though it's a minority of people. So why does that happen? Because the majority of people, and they're pretty, Brilliant people, for all of that echo chamber, they don't buy it, and they're the majority. But they're, they're not interested in politics. They have to work. They get up every day. They, they're not professors with their summers off and lifetime tenure. They're not 
movie stars. They're not foundation people. They're just working, and they they're religious, and they care about their families. And so the result is that they don't get activated. You're making my argument for me. So yes, they are going to listen to the lie. They are going to maybe believe the lie, or they're not going to care about whether it's a lie. When you say they, no, the majority of people don't. But the point is that they don't exercise their majority powers. They don't vote fully. They don't give money to candidates fully. They don't, they don't get galvanized. The left gets up in the morning saying, I'm going to spend every moment politicizing and weaponizing everything I can. And then they go to bed at night and said, I surely didn't do enough. I'll do better tomorrow. <laughs> the right it's gets true. up and goes, I'm so sick of all this crap. I just want to live my life and be free and secure and prosperous, help my friends and family, worship my God, help my community. But yeah. not the left. Yeah. It's like Sauron's lidless eye, man. It never closes. Yeah. 360, 24-7. Yeah. Well, with that image of Sauron's lidless eye, we are way over time here. So we're going to end this um, podcast. This is the Victor Davis Hansen Show. And we thank all of our listeners. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hansen, and we're signing off.